0: You're about to hear a true story of someone who has taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host, and thank you for joining me. John, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I'm so looking forward to getting to know you and hearing your story. So start out by telling me just like three unique, surprising things about yourself.
1: Oh, thank you so much, and thanks for having me. And I absolutely love lemonade, so we are we are right on the right track. That's great. So I am a motivational speaker and leadership and communication coach, and my company is called Share Your Fire, trying to get people to learn how to treat each other well and to share their motivational fire. That's my kind of my big thing. Uh, Something that people may not know about me is that my my nieces and all my friends, kids, and a lot of other adults nowadays are called, call me uncle fuzzy. <laughs> and that's because, um, I still have, uh, quite a, a, big head of hair. As a matter of fact, I just donated, uh, two 12 inch ponytails, uh, to a charity for, uh, children with hair loss. Uh, but my kid brother who's four years younger than I am is pretty much going bald. So he is, uh, his kids were actually frightened of me when when they were babies, because I looked a little like their dad, but I was much hairier. So to make things easy, he started calling me Uncle Fuzzy, and all of my friends' kids kind of picked up on that, and yeah, so oh, I'm known as yeah. Uncle Fuzzy. Uh, I also, uh, I collect monster movie memorabilia. I'm very much into the old classic monster movies, not the modern gory sci-fi stuff, but the the old classic stuff, and I was inspired by them. And I'll, we'll we'll talk more about how that how that that inspiration came around as we get into our talk.
0: Okay, well, great. I'm excited to hear your lemon to lemonade story and why you're doing what you do. So take me back. Tell me what's going on.
1: So you know, I was I was a kind of a fun loving kid. I uh, uh, you know I had a good loving mother and a hardworking dad. And dad taught us uh, to learn something new every day. Um, dad was a, a blue collar guy who basically knew how to do everything. He needed a job, so somebody needed a house painted, he learned how to paint a house. If somebody needed, uh, you know, a, a truck driven, he learned and he got his CDL and went to drive trucks. And whatever it was, you know, he just took an opportunity to learn something and and go to work. And uh, he, he encouraged us, he said, you know, whether you stay in school or not, I prefer if you did, but whether you stay in school or not, Just learn something from every experience in your life. Just keep learning. Try new things, try new foods, meet new people, just continue to expand yourself. And so uh, that was just very inspirational for me when I was younger. But one of the things that was a challenge is I was a really little kid. And other kids can be quite mean. When I say little, I was, when I graduated high school at the age of 18, I was only five foot three and weighed 110 pounds. I was the, and, and I I couldn't even be number one at being the smallest kid because I couldn't be number one in anything, uh, but I'm, the the smallest kid I was a quarter of an inch shorter than me only because I had a growth spurt in my senior year and I beat him by a quarter of an inch. But um, yeah, I was this this little, little guy. I got picked on by bullies most of my uh, school years and such like that. Um, I wanted to be accepted. I was was an extrovert trapped to be in an introvert's body because every time I drew attention to myself, it meant I get picked on and beat up or laughed at or whatever. Um, I tried joining various sports teams to fit in with the jocks, but I was a lousy athlete. I was too small for football, too short for basketball, and not fast enough for track. And besides running was invented to either catch something or get away from it. So the idea of just running distance didn't make sense to me. So I joined, of all things, the wrestling team where I was known as the mighty mosquito because I was small. I sucked and I mostly got (laughs) swatted. but, um, I found, you know, it was an interesting time for me because the, even the coach would laugh at me. Uh, and he basically said, you know, John, you need to get into the weight room and, and build up some, I would say muscle, but just anything would help. And so he said, I want you in the weight room every day for an hour, you know, lifting weights. And so I would go into the weight room every day and there's all the gorillas in there going bur, 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 on the, you know, the bench press. I couldn't get near that equipment if I wanted to. And, uh, and what was I gonna do? Walk over and say, excuse me, are you done with that? Can I please borrow that? Can you just hand me the bar? Just take the weights off, I can't lift that on you. It would have been just, it was, a, it was a waste to even try. So I went to the only piece of equipment nobody was working on and that was the leg press. And I sat on the leg press for my hour pumping the stack of weights and in almost no time at all i was pumping the entire stack of 750 pounds on the leg press my legs popped they were huge i had these massive bulbous popeye looking legs and i still still had this skinny, concave chest, you know, toothpick arms, like olive oil upper body and Popeye lower body, you know, which made me even freakier uh, to the to the crowd. So that gave me even more ridicule. But I found an advantage to all of this wackiness, and the fact was that even though I didn't have the upper body strength to be a good wrestler and to hold people down, my legs were so strong that I could kick out from under. And I never was pinned. So I was the unpinnable mighty mosquito. So I found, you know, all of this stuff that there was kind of a little ray of light. There was something there that was special about me. And even though I was ridiculed and picked on a lot, there was a tiny bit of respect that started to happen just because of the fact that I was unpinnable. And so we go through life and we find these little nuggets of hope. And so uh, this was now, as I'm graduating high school, we're in the disco era, just giving you how old old I am here. It's now the height of the disco era and everybody's out and they're getting all the dates because they can dance. And so I, I said to myself, I have to learn how to do this. And so I would watch American Bandstand and Soul Train and all those shows. And I'd watch the moves and I'd practice with like a broomstick or whatever. And I I taught myself some moves and then I would hang around with a really good looking guy who would attract all the girls. And while he was dancing with one, the other ones were kind of waiting around. So I'm like, well, you might as well dance with me. Would that be okay? Oh, Okay, fine. And so we'd get out on the dance floor and I'd bust out my moves. And all of a sudden I was like, oh. That was interesting. Oh, do that again. That people would come over and go, oh, how'd you do that? Did you show me how to do that? And so all of a sudden I had something else now that I could offer. I can now help people learn some new dance moves so they can stand it. Because that was all about, that was the era, right? It was all about egos and standing out. And so I found yet another little nugget that I could use in my, you know, to help my self-esteem. And it wasn't about that I wanted to be the standout, but I now had something that I can offer. And it took me a while to realize what it was that was going on. Here. So it was an interesting, uh, interesting time. Meanwhile, as you know, you can't really make a living that way. And so I tried a zillion other things as I was going through uh, life and I had uh I enjoyed electronics shop in high school. So I went for a degree in electronics and I worked for a couple of years as an electronics technician and I hated it. I was good at the work, but it was boring to me. Um, I sold men's clothing. I was a short order cook. I was a bartender. I tried a bunch of different wacky things and, um, you know, just as I started to build a little bit of self-confidence and learn about myself, one of the problems I had and always have and still do is I can't get up in the morning. I have a, I'm a night owl, and I get my energy at night, which is why the whole disco dance instructing thing and the bartending and those kinds of positions kind of work. Even a roadie with a band. That kind of stuff worked for me for my energy level. Of course, it wasn't. They weren't money makers. And so I couldn't hold a day job. I was always showing up late for work, and so I wound up losing my job. And in all this time, too, I had uh, found somebody that I thought was was going to be my forever partner, and found her cheating on me. And so I was like, okay, I'm just done. I'm just done. I can't hold a job. I, I'm useless. I. Women don't even want me. My my own fiance didn't want me, and so I kind of went into a, a a bit of a depression. There, um, so I said to myself, "Self, you need to straighten yourself out." And uh, at this time, my my kid brother was starting to think about going into the military. And here I went. Here I am, the the night owl, into you know disco and all this stuff. I'm like. I don't know if I can do the military thing. I'm just not that disciplined. And I thought about it and I said, you know what? Maybe that's what I need. And so this is when things started to come together. And I joined the Navy. And I went and Now, at this point, too, I was also making a career transition as well. I left to write. I always was creative. I had that little side thing going on. And so... I started doing some freelance writing for a local newspaper. And so I went back to school for journalism and I thought that was gonna be my new career field. Um, During that time when I was an electronics technician, what I was learning was the things that I was enjoying about the job was once I figured out what a problem was on the electronic circuits, I would then train other people about how to find those things. I actually wrote a manual on how to determine some of these problems. And the writing of that and the training of other people was what I really enjoyed. And I thought back, oh, the training of the people in the dancing was what I really enjoyed. All of this thing started to, the lights started to come on. So now I'm at a point where I know I wanna write, I know I wanna help other people to be successful, but I need discipline. So I joined the Navy as a Navy journalist. And I spent the next 25 years as a Navy journalist and learned that, first of all, a, a Navy journalist is much more than just a newspaper writer. It's the entire spectrum of the communication field. So on board my Navy ship, I did a shipboard newspaper, of course. I did a monthly newsletter that went home to the families so the families can stay connected with their sailors while the ship was overseas. Um, I ran two TV stations, two radio stations, did all the programming. I did an evening newscast live on the air every night. Uh, I was the ship's photographer. I was the captain's speech writer. Uh, when the ship pulled into port, I put on my community relations hat and we did tours of the ship and set up, you know, visiting dignitaries and, you know, speaking engagements for some of the senior leadership, uh, all that kind of, oh, and I answered fan mail. You know, I love the Navy, please send me a, a picture of your ship kind of thing. But that broad spectrum of communication, I learned a lot. And another part of that was dealing with reporters and helping to tell the story and getting people ready to, to give media interviews. And again, there was that training element in there and now helping people learn how to tell their stories. And again, more little lights came on throughout you know, the whole, this whole career progression. I realized that I had a passion for building empowered and confident people and helping other people to find that light to help them tell their story to help them achieve their goals so whether i was helping a reporter get their story or helping uh you know some oiler technician learn how to explain to people what it is that he does for a living uh all of those things were were helping to grow that that or turn that light on in me right that, that inner torch my motivational fire, that's what it turned out to be. So I started this realization. And when I flashed back, it all went back to thanking those bullies for when I was a kid that I now know that I don't want other people to ever feel the way I did when I was a kid. I don't want people to feel like they can't tell their stories, that they can't share themselves, that they can't be themselves, and they can't grow. And so my mission and my growth throughout this whole thing was learning that about myself and then kind of focusing on, on that way forward. And so everything that I've been doing in my whole life has been kind of driving me in that direction. But the one big light in all of this, you remember, I said that my, I caught my fiance cheating at the time, um, and had a bunch of other kind of failed relationships. And then I watched in the Navy at the time, this is back when there was no cell phones, email. We had no communication other than snail mail. So I saw so many relationships among the sailors and their wives back home just completely fall apart. And so my thought was never me. I will never let that happen to me. I will never get involved with anybody while I'm in the Navy. I couldn't trust people when I was in the same neighborhood. How am I going to trust them when we're, you know, thousands of miles away for months at a time? No way, no way, no way. And then I met Bonnie. And you know when something just absolutely clicks? And that was it. There was something about her that said, not only is she the one, but... She's the one that I wanna devote myself to and that I can trust her. So over the next three and a half years, while I was deployed most of the time, we spent maybe nine months out of that time together in piecework work here and there, a couple of weeks here, a day there, a month there. Uh, over three and a half years, our courtship was done primarily through snail mail. I've got boxes of letters from her She's got a small stack for me because I was terrible at writing letters. The other way we stayed in touch was when we, when we pulled into a foreign port, the only way we could communicate was to go to and find the international telephone exchange. And you're nodding. I know like you've heard of this thing, right? And you go ahead and you have to sign up on a waiting list for an overseas line. Usually it was three or four hours. It was six hours on Christmas. And I would make these calls from overseas and this is from the from the phone exchange and it was $17 a minute collect. Ultimately, I think Bonnie said yes, because she had so much invested at that time, but uh, she just wanted to get her money's worth out of things. (laughs) Bonnie has been my true light and inspiration and um, she tolerates my wackiness. She encourages me to wear my Hawaiian shirts. She, you know, she she puts up with with all the stuff. But most importantly, she is just uh, I mean, like I said, she's my shining light and my encouragement. And now uh, at at the point uh, in my life when I'm focusing now on the motivational speaking and the share your fire uh, uh, process, my wife now works with me. And she helps me with my social media and the research and all the admin stuff. And we have a wonderful time working together and hoping that together we're we're helping others.
0: Together you're spreading that the lemonade. That. So I love that. We are. We are. We <laughs> are. We that's are. So cute.
1: it's so, you know, it's so wonderful uh, so when cute. you find the that other human out there that you yep. can make that connection with and you can make a difference with.
0: Yeah. It's always great
1: when people get you.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I get your story, what you're saying too. my husband and I were separated for our engagement as well, only by three hours, but there was no email or cell phones back then. And so we had to write letters as well. And we found that it would be a day so we could write the letter and get it the next day. And that's how we communicated for three months of our engagement. And then those collect calls were very rare (laughs) because they were very expensive. And so I'm just (laughs) relating so much with what you're saying. You make it happen. If you wanna make it happen, you can make it happen. And so I love the inspiration you shared with that. But I just love that you got, into the Navy. Like who would have thought that that was going to be your place? Like I, when you said you were going to the Navy, I thought, uh oh, that probably didn't last very long either. But then it's like, it was your, that's place. what everybody
1: said. It yeah. was like, there's no way you're going to make it. You're not going to last in that. And I didn't realize that
0: was even a job, that communications job. That's amazing. Like, what an amazing fit for you. And I love that you're so inspiring with just not giving up and finding your fit, finding your way and improving other people's lives because of what you're doing. And I just am so proud of you. So that's awesome.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. And Heidi, I know I promised early on, I said something about monsters. Yes. And I'll just tell you a little, little, another, another little nugget of inspiration um, you know, when I was this little kid getting picked on by bullies, you know, we, of course, everybody read comic books. And so I wanted to be a superhero. Boy, you know, nobody would pick on me if I had a superpower. But, you know, reality set in and said, that's not really going to happen. But my inspiration was actually in monster movies, because in monster movies, no matter how big and bad and nasty the monster was, the little guy could win. And that showed me that there was hope there. And, and at the time, you know, looking at watching these movies and, and seeing how it was just a matter of innovation and teamwork. It wasn't always the big bulky, you know, muscular hero that won the day. Sometimes it was the little nerdy guy like me who can actually make a difference. And the big difference came, you know, monsters usually attack in the dark, right? So if you, if you, turn on a light, or you start a fire, or you carry a torch, you keep that monster at bay. And when you get other people together, also with their torches, you can keep the monsters at bay or fight them off. And so that was, uh, that was an inspiration to me. And so the thought of a torch, bringing that light, frightening away the monsters, illuminating, you know, a path forward has been kind of my, my my moniker, right? I call myself a torchbearer. And I say that inside each of us, we have this motivational fire that burns. And the things that that keep that motivation going, to feel that we're trusted by others, to be given the opportunity to try things, to be respected as an individual, to be communicated with, And to be treated with humanity like a fellow human being and when those things happen we can be motivated and we can be happy and if we treat other people with those same things trust opportunity respect communication and humanity they also can be motivated and be happy and so that is the acronym for torch yeah trust opportunity respect communication and humanity so that that fire that burns inside of us that we learn how to now share that fire with others. And so that we can, we can spread that fire. When our, when our fire is burning bright and we help others to have their fire burning bright, we can all get along so much better.
0: And it makes such a beautiful world. I love that so much.
1: And my, My goal is to help other people to learn to do that as well. And, um, especially people that are in positions where they most significantly influence others like bosses and leaders and those kinds of folks, you know, to help them to learn how we've all had crappy bosses and we've all had really great bosses. And we know which types of behaviors kept us motivated to do the right things and and who we worked harder for.
0: Absolutely.
1: So that's the kind of environment I want to create for, for the whole world.
0: Keep on keeping on. I love that. So what would be your your tip or advice? Like, you know, if somebody's struggling with that right now, with wondering if they really have that fire inside of them, what would you say?
1: So you absolutely do have that fire. And I know it gets quashed from time to time. Uh Mm -hmm. one of one of the things I I, have heard and and always loved is, is that you don't have to burn out, you don't have to blow out my candle to make yours burn brighter. We can all burn bright. And another thing is that remember that everything is not a competition. It's not about winning because there can be only one winner. So why put yourself in that position, right? It's about success and how we can all succeed together and we can bring others with us. So every little nugget of success that we have, we share it. Don't hoard knowledge. Don't, don't, don't close yourself off from others, but be open and share. I would say principally the two biggest takeaways I think would be to learn something from every experience, whether it's a good experience or a bad experience, even if at the end of it, the only thing you learn was not to do that again, Yes. learn something, right? Learn and grow from every opportunity, try things. Don't say, oh, I don't like that. Just give it a try. You never know. And the other thing is to find humor in the things that happen. Um, if you notice, I mean, we all hate having to go to things like funerals and such like that, but so many times the healing process is telling those funny stories that, Hey, remember when aunt Tessie did this and remember when grandma did that or whatever it was, it's those funny things. I want, I want people to do a roast at my funeral. And I don't, with no opportunity for me to defend myself, I hope I gave people lots of fodder over the course of my life that they have lots to laugh, to remember and laugh about. But I mean, finding humor in in things is so important to to healing and to dealing with adversity and for our own personal growth. I will tell you one little brief story about finding humor. And uh, I was on a plane flying by myself from Washington, DC to LA, so a nice long flight. And you know, when you get on a plane and you're by yourself, you're always wondering who you're gonna wind up getting stuck sitting next to. So I get on the plane and I get into my uh, window seat and I'm looking up the aisle to see who's coming along. Oh, please not the people with the baby, cause you know, I don't really wanna get puked on today or whatever, or please not this big football player dude who's gonna squish me in. And here comes this uh, woman by herself and she is stunning. She's an absolutely stunningly beautiful woman. And she comes down the aisle and she gets in the aisle seat in my row and nobody got in the middle. This is an automatic conversation starter. So I'm like, hey, look, we lucked out. We got elbow room, you know? And so we start chatting and, and she was, she was absolutely delightful. She was of Indian heritage. Uh, she was born and raised in Bali and spent a lot of time in Australia. So she had this musical accent that was just a delight to listen to. And as we're chatting, she's telling me that she's 30 years old and that her father is setting her up on blind dates because he's insisting that she get married. And I'm looking at this a truly beautiful woman and I am like, I don't understand why you're being set up on blind dates. Um... Is it part of your culture or your family tradition that your dad's got to do this? And she says, Oh no, no. I'm, I'm allowed to find my own my own dates." And I said, Oh, I said, well, I have to sell you. I said, you are stunning. Uh, I would imagine that you've got to like fight people off all the time. And she says, Oh no, you don't understand. I'm really very shy. I won't talk to men. <laughs> Well, okay, but you've been talking to me for like 4 hours now. And she said, "Yeah, that's different. If you were some young good-looking guy I was interested in, I would never be able to talk to you." <laughs> now, I could have been devastated. I mean, that ego completely deflated. But at the same time, I thought it was hysterical. What was even funnier was when she realized what came out of her mouth. And yeah. She was, she was mortified. She went, oh, "I didn't mean it like that." That's "Oh, yeah, it was fine." First thing we did when we landed was I called my wife and I said, and I told her the story. And of course my wife is like, it's nice to know my hubby is so safe. <laughs> that hurt my ego. Like, Come on. Think of me as a little bit, just a little bit you know, dangerous. But the thing is, you know, I could have been deflated. I could have been insulted, right. but, but instead I found the humor in it. And, and now it's a story. I love to tell, Yeah, find that humor and use it to, to heal yourself.
0: Yes. It's really is what we think of it. You know, if there's a situation and it's the thought that we put in the situation that makes it good or bad or funny or sad and you thought of it in a funny way, somebody else would have been hurt by that. And so I just love your example of like, just think of things as funny. Like you don't have to live so uptight about everything. So
1: we always have the choice, right? We have a choice. Like I said, with the good bosses and bad bosses of the people we know, we have a choice in what behaviors we emulate. We have a choice in the way we let things that happen to us impact us.
0: Absolutely. So just make the better choice. I love that. Thank you. And and
1: have lemonade.
0: Yes. Like I've always
1: said, when life gives you lemons, squirt, squirt the bad guy in the eye.
0: That's what we say. I love it. That's perfect. Let's do that. I always say when life gives you lemons, throw them right back.
1: (laughs) That works too. It's
0: like, who cares? We don't need this right now.
1: But but meanwhile, I love, I love your whole analogy of this whole, this whole concept of just make lemonade.
0: Yeah. That's really all we can really do. Just embrace it and make it better. And you have been a great example of that today. So thank you so much. I appreciate thank you so your much. Stories. I really
1: enjoyed mixing up a picture with you,
0: yeah, absolutely. me too. And I want to just pass it around. I hope people can learn from this and realize that they can change and the way they look at their situations and they can bring their light or their lemonade to others. So thank you
1: absolutely. Thank you so much, Heidi.
0: enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.